You're listening to the Really Useful Podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. Welcome to the show. My name is Christian Corley and with me is Gavin Phillips. How are you doing, Gavin? Doing very well, Christian. Spring has fully sprung here in the UK and everything's looking glorious. How about yourself? Yeah, not bad. I've uh, got slightly sore ankles from uh, climbing a hill at the weekend, a place called uh, Roseby Topping in uh, North Yorkshire, between Stokesley and Middlesbrough. And uh, we did it for charity. Uh, what charity? It sounds really pretentious, doesn't it? We did it to raise funds for my son's trip to the uh, Dance World Cup in Portugal. <laughs> I've you know I've spent the last eleven years picking children up and m- my lower body is pretty good actually it's pretty well toned everything the hips upwards not the case whatsoever uh, no. so I found that the um, the climb was um, I wouldn't say it was effortless or anything like that but I wasn't I didn't have any significant aches and pains afterwards until sort of last night this morning and just my ankles are creaking a little bit. It's uh, sort of time sitting in the chair. So the top half of you has been worked out well, and the bottom half is uh, used to being static. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. Okay, so we have our weekly mix of uh, tech news that matters. Um, we've got some tips and tricks, and then we'll finish with some recommendations. We're going to uh, start things off with news that, uh, oh dear, it's just this mad problem that streaming services that aren't called Netflix or Disney have with branding warner brothers discovery has launched its max streaming service dropping the hbo this reminds me of the uh, nonsense that paramount had a few months ago uh so uh why is hbo max getting a new name in 2018 the company was purchased by at&t changed its name to warner media a few years later they decided it was time to sell the media giant resulting in warner media's merger with discovery they, the newly named Warner Brothers Discovery announced plans to merge HBO Max and Discovery Plus, and that is why we now have Max. HBO is a brand that has been built over the past five decades and associated with quality entertainment geared towards adults. So Max is being used to appeal to all ages, basically. It does seem to be that. But, uh, I mean, as you alluded to, it's just uh, it's, it's like the merry-go-round of streaming services... Um, trying to sort of rejuvenate their image to try and, I don't know, trick people in coming back to the service. Or it seems like this sort of thing happens when they suddenly notice that they're losing subscribers to yeah. one of the myriad other services that we have now. Um, and, oh, quick, we better do something to, to get some people back. So uh, out of interest, um, sort of aside from this, I just totted up how much it would cost you to have a subscription to all of the major all right. streaming services in the US. And it's just shy of $100 per <sighs> month. Uh, that would get you <laughs> Apple TV, Discovery, Disney, HBO, Hulu, Netflix, Paramount, and Peacock Premium and Prime Video. Um, and that came in at, yeah, 93, 94. You're making these names up, dollars. surely. Yeah, because that's, that's it. Like, <laughs> um, but but this, the whole point, isn't it, that we've gone so far from what streaming services were meant to solve and it's now turned it back into just really diversified cable um, that you have to pay loads of individual services for if you want to watch everything. And yeah. it's no wonder that this sort of 
issue is forcing people back to the high seas and uh, streaming and downloading torrents and stuff like that. Yes, that's that's a good point. It's probably something we're going to touch upon in a uh, later podcast, I think. It's not this week, is it? No, it's not. I didn't add that. Okay, cut that bit out. Right, we're going to move on to um, Twitter. It's our, it seems to be our favourite topic lately, doesn't it, uh, Twitter? Uh, there's always something to talk about in the land of the little blue bird or, or the um, or the doge icon. Which <laughs> Is that yeah. still there? Uh, I have to be honest. I've been sort of trying to avoid Twitter a bit, but uh, <laughs> no, it has gone back to being a, a bird. It's back to being a bird, right? Okay. Yeah. So uh, Elon Musk, uh, for for it is him. Oh no, we'll come to him in a minute. First of all, NPR and PBS are quitting Twitter. Um, there, there should be some portmanteau of that, but yet there isn't because it wouldn't work. But anyway, uh, NPR <laughs> <laughs> has been. Classified by Twitter as government-funded media, and as a result, they have stated, uh, with this tweet uh, that they've publicised, graphic statement, NPR produces consequential independent journalism every day in service to the public. Here's where you can find and read our work, subscribe to the First Up newsletter, etc., etc., etc. Basically, they're saying, uh, yeah, we're we're not being uh, classified as government-funded media, go away, Elon Musk. And uh, PBS have done the same, only they've just not... said anything they've just gone yeah it's um this is the reaction to elon musk changing all of uh well various news outlets um funding on the uh the platform so on yeah. twitter they stick underneath the name where the funding comes from i do think elon musk or or whoever he's decided this with they have been a bit uh, sensationalist with it as you know you can read on, on makeuseof.com NPR receives 1% of its funding from the US government that does not put it on the same tier as something like Russia Today which is you know wholly controlled by the Russian government and you can't even look at that on uh, Twitter anymore for the yeah. time being anyway right. um, it, it's it's surprising that they're leaving completely in protest to what Musk is doing on the platform because it will deprive some people of the content that these uh, publications put out. But if you're already following and used to listening to NPR or you like the stuff from PBS, you're probably just going to go and listen to it regardless. Uh, I should think so. More points to the decisions made by Twitter's um, management to put these labels on these organizations without really considering what they mean in the context of other organizations that also have those labels. Mm, like the BBC. Yeah, for sure. Which is the next point we're going to get to. Um, uh, because Elon Musk decided that the BBC was also government funded media. And while I don't think many people would say the BBC is the bastion of absolute truth and unbiased reporting that it used to be uh it's still not the same as receiving government funding uh i think the bbc is even trickier than npr and pbs because of its links to uh the british government particularly with uh british government employees former employees being ported into roles within the bbc so there's a lot of there's a lot of issues there, and I don't think anybody can deny that. But slapping it with a government-funded media label also isn't correct. 
No, I think, I I think this is, I think it's a good idea on the face of it, but it should not be limited to broadcasters. Mm, interesting. Political parties, for example, why not list all of the the places they're getting funding from or significant funding from when they make posts and politicians? That would be, that would be far more useful to everyone, I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, knowing exactly where a politician is receiving funding from is usually, you know, a key indicator to usually the garbage that's coming out of their mouth. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, which would be so much more useful. Um, but I can't see uh, them listing, you know, 50 donors <laughs> beneath each post. <laughs> <laughs> it would need a footnote, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Elon Musk got into a little bit of a... Um, arguments with let's be honest um north america technology reporter james clayton was woefully under underprepared for this interview and the, the line of questioning that he decided to take uh, at one stage so um that that's kind of uh, fed into this uh, whole thing but i mean on the other hand um as you said um, Elon musk is a or twitter has changed tack on the bbc and now labels it publicly funded instead of government funded media um, after the objections from the broadcaster. So, uh, but uh, yeah, it's just another week of uh, Elon Musk. I'm looking at this photo of Elon Musk. I'm thinking to myself, actually, the top half of my body isn't actually that bad compared to Elon Musk. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I just need to work out a little bit more. Uh, so, yeah, so that's that. We're going to move on now to the um, tips and tricks. <laughs> Although, in fairness, this next item probably straddles the um, worlds of news and tips and tricks because we're, uh, as feared, I suppose, with the um, the arrival of generative AI, we were, we were already aware of deep fakes, weren't we? And now they're kind of coming together in a way. We've got AI voice generators, which are a possible security or cybersecurity threat, aren't they? Because we've got this risk of, um, you know... I, I get irritated. You know those um, those adverts? Um, I think is it Just Eat, one of those, or Deliveroo. They, they have that, that kind of generated voice, which is obviously it's an actor speaking in particular tones. Um, yeah. And, you know, ending up basically sounding like Christopher Walken. Because, Christ, you know, you watch a Christopher Walken film, he never ends a sentence, or even a word in many cases, the way most people do. No, for sure. His intonation's like all tone, over them. He? Um, and there are some adverts like this, and they, they kind of recall Microsoft Sam and the old text-to-speech tools in Windows and things. But now we have AI voice generators, and they are pretty powerful, aren't they? They're uh, phenomenally more accurate than you know anything we've ever seen before. And in the way that they can take just a very... doesn't need to be a huge data set for... Um, an amount of speech and then recreate it faithfully um, to the point where people who who hear it, such as, uh, for example, like a, if, if someone replicated my speech to my family, my family would maybe be able to pick up on it, but the chances are they wouldn't be able to tell the difference. And this is one of the issues that's been happening to people um, across the world, really, but it seems to be particularly in the US and in Canada, um, so there's a scam where the scammers managed to capture 
voice from from a family member and then they play it back as if the is if the person is in distress and they need immediate help or like they need immediate financial assistance you know and they play it in quite a, a heart-wrenching way and the people are people are being tricked and scammed out of thousands of dollars based upon hearing what they think is a family member but it's an ai generated voice yeah and just to specify and this is going to uh, you know we obviously don't intend to scare but realistically if you've uploaded a youtube video or appeared in one or participated in a large group call with people you don't know like a zoom or whatever uploaded your voice to the internet in some other capacity such as a podcast or even being on the radio you or your loved ones could theoretically be in danger from a scammer using your voice uploading it to an ai generator and cloning it and then you know performing some scam that such as the one gavin's just described there is really worrying and you know these are really close matches they're not you know jim carrey or dana carvey or um or john culture in the uk or alistair mcgowan in the uk type impersonations where you know the 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 man behind that you can there's always this you know a sample or an intonation of the person doing the voice i've stuck with men there it could have been ronnie ancona or um i don't know any female american impersonators unfortunately but the point is this is the actual voice being reused and repurposed. So it's different to impersonation, impersonation isn't it? Because it's it's virtual. It's, vir- it's, it's the virtual voice. Yeah, but I mean, like you were alluding to there, an, an impersonator always brings a bit of personal flavour to it, don't yeah. they? Yeah. And that's what makes it, you know, uh, entertaining. Whereas in this case, it's designed to be as accurate as possible to present the most amount of fear or worry uh, and so on so that the scam that it's being used as will work um i've also seen some videos recently christian on uh, youtube about uh, the ai uh, voice generators and one of them uh, this is this isn't a scam this was uh, like a voice overlay for a film about um aliens approaching the world and surrounding the world and it's got loads of different voice clips from like joe biden and uh vladimir putin and and loads of other political figures as these aliens surround the world and they're meant to be they're not going to attack the world but it's you know sets off a trigger of events where we all end up uh, fighting each other and causing nuclear war etc etc and what's really interesting is how accurate all of these voices sound within this video um and it makes this you know entirely fake scenario seem all that bit more real because Mm -hmm. they haven't had to go and use you know a voice actor that's putting on the voice of of joe biden or whatever you know it brings like another level of realism to this you know fantastical story um i'll send you the link for that we can put it in the um in the show show notes yeah excellent and as governor alludes to there everything that we discuss in the podcast will appear in the show notes now let's um before we move on just in terms of uh, how we how we deal with um voice ai voice generated scams i think it's basically if you it's just to check uh, you get confirmation from the person who's contacted you with that scam in terms of big um conspiracies relying on other people's voices um i mean there isn't really a defense against that it's basically go with your gut i suppose 
Yeah, I mean, God, what what can you do? You pick up the phone and it's someone you love in distress. It immediately puts you at a heightened sense of uh, stress yourself, doesn't it? So yeah, yeah. First thought might not be to put the phone down and then call your loved one to make sure it's really them. You're way more likely to be immediately sucked into a scam like that. Let's move on. What is the WPS button for on my router, Gavin? <laughs> what does it do? What's it Why there it for? There? What does it mean? <laughs> uh, so the, the WPS button on your router stands for Wi-Fi Protected Setup. It's a little button you can press uh, that makes it easier to connect devices to your router. I've got to um, say, before you continue, that sounds a very secure sort of name, Wi-Fi Protected Setup. Hey, the, the clue is in the name, Christian, right? <laughs> um, it's quite interesting, actually, because it really can make connecting new devices to your network really easy. Uh, theoretically, you you know turn the Wi-Fi connection thing on your, or say, on a smartphone, you go to your Wi-Fi uh, settings, you'd find the network, and instead of having to input the password, you push the button on your router, and it communicates with the phone, and voila, you, you're connected. It's that sort of simple. Um, unfortunately, uh, it does have some security issues, uh, as if someone is close enough to your router that you don't want to connect to your network they will have uh immediate access to your network which is obviously not a good thing um but yeah if you want to do it quick and fast the wps button is an option i don't think i have one on my router though do you have one on yours yeah i think so yeah i disabled it though yeah that's how i know because i disabled it because you can go into the settings can't you and you can disable the wps button to stop what you just described yeah absolutely because the assumption is that with wps is that if someone is near enough to your router to connect to it then you probably want them to be there which is sort of the major flaw in the design of the technology in that you might not always, especially if you were in, say, uh, an office situation or a business situation or whatever, or well, you've got you, decorated cafe, well, you've got decorated. Yeah, you've got decorated. The plumber is in your house, and yeah. you know he wants to get onto your Wi-Fi, um, but you might not want them on your your actual home network. So, in that case, you might consider setting up a guest Wi-Fi network. Most modern routers these days have the option to create right. a separate guest network, which is a really, really good idea. Um, but yeah, so I mean, use it if you want. Like Christian has said, most people do tend to disable it these days because, you know, it is a slight security risk. But um, yeah, the option is there for you if you want service. We've reached recommendations time already, Gavin. So. Um... As you haven't been here for a couple of weeks, why don't you go first? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've got I've got a great little uh, recommendation, actually. Um, so recently I was perusing uh, the internet, as you do, and I thought I would really like a new little handheld. So I bought something called the Anne Burnick RG35XX, which is a... Uh, a handheld device that looks similar to the original chunky grey uh, Game Boy. 
It's uh, smaller in size. It has roughly three, three and a half inch uh, full HD screen. Looks absolutely incredible. Um, and it comes loaded with, you know, every game under the sun. Oh. <laughs> which is fantastic. But it's uh, it's powerful enough, actually, that it can run PS1 games, which right. is really cool. Um, and because of the resolution of the original PS1, um, it looks fantastic on the smaller compact screen, full HD screen. So it's really, really good. The buttons themselves feel, you know, well, well made. Well, they're solid. On the rear of the of the unit, you have your your R1, uh, R2, L1, L2 buttons as well. So you don't lose any additional functionality in games that support those buttons. Uh, and it comes with, so it's like a, it's basically like a, an emulator, yeah. You know, yeah. for want of a better description. So it comes with, um, let me just turn it on. It comes with PS One, uh, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Neo Geo, um, and let's see, uh, support for Mame cabinets, NES, SNES. Um, Game Boy Color, um, and then like it also supports games from game cabinets as well outside MAME. So there's a bunch of like random games, I mean that I've never even heard of. Uh, and the other beautiful thing about this device is that you can flash it with um, different firmwares as well. So the yeah. default firmware on it is pretty good. It's very very easy to use. There's another firmware that's been developed called Garlic OS. Um, which looks really, really good. I haven't had the chance to give it a go yet, but it extends the functionality of the device. Oh, and I'll also add the battery on it is really good as well. So it's got a three and a half... Well, this one's got a 2,600 milliamp hour battery. You can also upgrade that to a three and a half thousand one as well. But I've found during my time using it that I've never really ran it all the way down, which is great. And I'd oh, cool. like to sit up and play... Um, you know the most intensive games on it which are the ps1 games uh and it go, goes for hours it's really really good so yeah that's the and burnick uh rg 35 xx it's well worth a look where'd you get that from is it on amazon you can get them on uh, amazon uh i believe they cost maybe 60 to 80 bucks on amazon i order mine direct from ali baba so oh, right. it was significantly cheaper okay okay Okay, good, uh, good recommendation there. Like a bit of uh, retro gaming, I um, I'm going to go with this dash cam that I'm reviewing at the moment as my recommendation. Uh, I'm going to be submitting the footage for it later, a little bit of additional footage actually, because I realised I've missed something from it. And it's a thing called the uh, 70 May dash cam Omni. It it looks like a minion. It's black, although it comes in red and white as well, and you. It sticks to your windscreen, and then there's a lowest third of the device will rotate through. I think it's uh, 340 degrees. It has a 140-degree field of view, so it will give you a 360-degree coverage. It is a frustratingly... It's a frustrating device, basically, because on the face of it, it does 1080p recording, and it has a very very important key feature which i'll come to in a moment which is one of the reasons i was excited about reviewing it and 
so yeah, it has 1080p recording. It's only a single channel camera, which means it only has one camera. There's no uh, satellite cameras for the rear or internal or whatever. But, you know, it rotates around, so it'll do things. You can give voice commands, so you can tell it to look left or look right. It has a um, detection system, uh, which took a lot of calibrating uh, for lane detection and for nearby objects. But unfortunately, uh, its recognition of objects, black car ahead. Is what it's supposed to say. What it said to me was red car ahead. And firstly, I live in a town called Red Car, so I thought it was some sort of map reference. And secondly, there was no red car ahead of me. There was a black van with a tiny bit of red on it. Um, wow. Also, it warned me about pedestrians while I was parked at a pedestrian crossing earlier. So, um, yeah, it's not it's not great. And as I say, it took a bit of uh, calibrating to even get it to that stage. It also... Um, the GPS, I don't seem to be able to get it to work correctly, but the main problem, I, I should say the app with it is excellent, uh, but the main problem with it is that, oh dear, um, it has a vlog mode. A vlog mode? A vlog on a mode. Dash so you, on a dashcam? Yeah, exactly. So you say to it, uh, dashcam shoot vlog, okay, then the uh, camera will rotate giving a nice panoramic view of what's happening in front, then it'll say, uh, get ready to smile for the camera or something like that. And then it has a built-in microphone, so you can talk to the camera should you need to. Uh, but it, fi- it will then film the interior while you're driving along. Um, it's not entirely the most distraction-free experience, uh, let's be honest. Um, but there is a very good reason to have this dash cam, is that it does not have an SD card. It has eMMC storage in 32, 64, 128 gigabyte options. And I think this this is um, something that's happening more and more with dash cams recently. There needs to be, it basically needs to be, there's two things I want from dash cams going forward, is no SD card, no wires on the satellite devices. We're, we're getting there with the eMMC storage. Um, re- really good option to have that. But uh, yeah, so this is the, uh, the 70 May dash cam Omni. There'll be a video review on the site at some point this week, I expect. I'm finding myself reviewing a lot of dash cams at the moment. And to be honest with you, the one that I keep going back to is the Vanshu Element 2, which comes in single, two and three channel options, which I reviewed a few months ago. This is uh, this one, the IF Design Award in 2022. And it's just a very nice modular dash cam system. I don't have any complaints with that. I think I rated it very, very highly at the time. Uh, nothing since then seems to be coming close, unfortunately. But uh, having said that, EMMC storage, single device installation, always a bonus. And there's enough options in the app for you to disable all the silliness and you don't have to use the vlog option either. Making the uh, 70 made dash cam Omni a good option, particularly if you are looking for your very first dash cam. Oh, that's interesting because... Uh, I'm still uh, in the market for a, a new uh, dash cam for, that I've never had one before. So I might give that a good old look over. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's really useful podcast, the tech podcast for technophobes from makeusoft.com. As noted repeatedly through this podcast, um, <laughs> everything we talk about is in the show notes. Uh, you can get in touch with us via Twitter or through makeusoft.com. Uh, we both have our own uh, profile pages on there. Or reply on uh, Facebook and our media manager, because we have one of those, will uh, let us know if you have any thoughts or um, anything that you want us to talk about. We'll be back with a new show next week. Until then, it's goodbye from us. Goodbye from us.